So to begin, my name's Nicole. Um, I am a sugar addict, bulimic, compulsive overeater, and uh, super grateful to be here with you guys. Um, I, I'm feeling really uh, what I call watery this morning, which just means that my, my feelings are very close to the surface. And that's a big deal for me because that's I'm not a crier. I'm not, you know, uh, so when they come to the surface, it's, it's a big deal. And my recovery is, is that I don't stuff them down. So I kind of just want to, um, be authentic and honest, which is why I, I don't want to do a formula today with you guys. Um, I think what's on my mind, um, and, I'm not going to be able to do a presentation for you. The thing that I love about 12-step recovery is that all that's asked of me is that I tell the truth and I be authentic. And um, if you, if I don't say anything that resonates for you, don't worry. There are hundreds and thousands of people in the rooms, and so, and someone will say, will tell their story, and you will resonate. Um, you know, if I, if nothing I say resonates for you, I'm, I'm grateful for your polite courtesy. So, um, I am definitely a lifetime member. I have been in 12 steps since I was 23. I'm 52 and I have been in OA since I was 28. And what I kind of want to talk about is, um, the difference between attending and joining and why that's critical and that I want to reassure people if you think you're doing recovery wrong you're not if you are going to meetings you win um, because I came in with um, a big ego uh, a big brain, um, a huge wound, um, a don't fucking tell me what to do, um, everything. And, and so, and also I came in with a strong academic background. So what I mean by that is that I was very good at school and I'm very good at homework. And so I came in and I wanted to, and what I saw was a bunch of people coming together, speaking the truth, which is why I stayed. Because I heard people telling the truth, and from and coming from an alcoholic childhood, people didn't do that, and it drove me fucking nuts. And actually, Adult Children of Alcoholics was my first program. So, and then there were all these steps and all these rules or, or traditions or whatever, and I was like, and it, and I remember the first day. The reason why I stayed in all twelve step is the only requirement. Um, is blank and step three or tradition three and everything which basically came down to no one has the power to kick me out no one has the power to kick me out that right there I was like because I didn't trust authority and then the um, and that I decided if I was a member or not and no one could take my membership away that was very important to me um, a higher power of my own understanding. Thank you. Absolutely. Like, basically, I was like, yeah, it's going to be of my own understanding anyway. So thank you for just letting me, you know, like that we don't have to get into an argument about it. And then um, 
the other thing that it said was take what you like and leave the rest. And I was like, I'm, I'm already on that. So when I came in and, you know, keep in mind, I was young and I had just spent, you know, 18 years growing up with two authority figures that were brilliant and smart and successful and everything, but were crazy. But because they looked good, um, somehow that was okay. So my education into the miracle and the true promises of recovery took a very long time. And I want to make sure and say that all of those years, I did not do recovery wrong. Even though I can look back and say, oh, I was attending 12-step like a class and I wasn't joining. That was the best I could do. You could not get me to join because the steps hadn't worked on me enough to soften me to a place where joining was even possible. The other thing is, is that I am definitely like, I'm here because of the gift of desperation. I'm not here because I thought it was a good idea. I would love to not be in recovery. I would love to not have an eating disorder. I would love to not have to spend all my time. Well, not now, but I agree. I would love to not this. Are, are you fucking the last house on the block, right? I'm here because my eating disorder and my disease kicked my ass again and again and again and drove me here. Like that's why I'm here. Not because I was walking by one day and saw a church basement, you know what I mean? And was like, hey, what's going on in there? You know what I mean? And so the reason why I'm thinking about this is because I have a, a friend who's back in the rooms. And we weren't really friends. She was part of my fellowship and she's back in the rooms and she's struggling with thinking that she did it wrong or she made a mistake. I'm like, no. You didn't. You didn't make a mistake. Even though our story is different, what she reminds me of is that in the beginning, um, I attended. And here's what that means. I know how to go to a classroom. I know how to be with classmates. And I know how to be friendly with classmates. And then I know how to leave all those classmates, go home, do my homework, they say get a sponsor. Oh, you mean like a professor or a teacher or whatever. Okay, fine. I will call that person and I will be like, what is the homework? You know what I mean? What is what? And so I did all of that and it worked. It did. You know, it, you know, I was bleeding and on fire. And so it, you know, took out and I did that. What happened over time is that um, I, my life circumstances, I had a lot of tragedy happen all of a sudden. And, um, and I, I had trauma memories come up on top of other things. For me, that was my tragedy. I've heard other people say, you know, they got a divorce, they lost a child, whatever. The perfect storm happened. And after like seven years, I relapsed and I relapsed hard 
because I was also going through um, health. It was just my life was decimated. And I was on four week or four months of disability. And the beautiful thing is, is that I did hit a whole new bottom. And that's when the bulimia came. I was not bulimic when I came into the rooms. I learned about bulimia in the rooms. I came in overweight. Um, my story is I lost the weight very slowly because it was quite an adjustment for me to be in a smaller body because I felt safer taking up space. So my weight loss was pretty slow, but then I did lose it. And in doing that, it coincided with uh, trauma memories and then the 2008 recession and getting, I mean, it was just like, it was like the perfect storm. So I picked up bulimia and, and, and then I picked up sugar again, thinking that Sugar was not part of my food plan because in the 90s, it was like no flour, no sugar. And it was like, okay. But I didn't, I didn't think that I was a sugar addict, like, like a heroin addict. We would joke like, oh, I'm so addicted to sugar. No, I mean, like within the context of addiction, I didn't know. So when this relapse happened and Thank God for me, it only lasted like about a month because I was in the rooms and I was being a good student. When this relapse happened, my sugar addiction became apparent that it was an addiction. Now I was terrified of losing the weight that I had just all lost. And so I was like, oh, now I understand bulimia. Well, I, I do to that extent, but I also understand it as I was so full of emotions that I didn't know how to handle that then I discovered that, oh, the purging isn't just about, I don't want to gain that weight. The purging is about the relief I get from eating up all my feelings and then getting this visceral experience of purging it up. But I was also, like I said, I'd been in the rooms for so long that I knew what was, I knew what was going on. And like I said, fortunately I was in the rooms and so I was already connected. And, um, and so that very horrible relapse was a month. After that, I hit such a place of a gift of desperation. And this is what I mean. I was forced to start to work the program as if my life depended on it. So then think about what that means. Think about like the difference between deciding to go to college or school, you know, and going like, oh yeah, I need this, I need this, to if I don't do this, I am going to die. And, and, and sort of start to go into it. And what I did because at that time, um, sugar addiction wasn't taken so seriously in the rooms, is I had to get myself an AA sponsor who would sponsor me in OA as a sugar addict. And because of that, she saved my life because she didn't know, she didn't have an eating disorder, but she understood addiction and she understood like, here's the program, here's what you have to do. And that's when my relationship to OA changed from a free diet club where people get emotional 
So it was like a free diet club with some, you know, wonderful group therapy. I mean, just the way that my brain held it, I only could parse it together in the way that I understood the other outside experiences that I had. It was this experience of of hitting such a core bottom, which some people experience first and then come in the room so they don't have to go through this long growth cycle that I did. Um, Or in my case, I was in the rooms and then hit it, where I realized I have to join this fellowship. Now, the reason why I bring up the AA sponsor is because she forced me to read the big book. And now, again, I'm such a nerd that I also read articles about, you know, then I got into it. You know, I got into like, how did this thing start? And I studied the big book and I even did a big book workshop. And the thing that came out of that is all it was like a light bulb. And if you read the big book very carefully, it's actually in there that recovery requires two powers. It it requires that you you have a higher power, whatever that means to you. There will be a time where you will be alone and you will not be able to call someone. You will not be able to, you know, jump on a meeting. You will not. You will be left alone with the disease. And the only thing that you will have available to you is your belief in a higher power. I can tell you that I'm not a Christian. My higher power is uh, the fellowship. I definitely believe in a, my, my higher power is love. And I believe in something beautiful and mysterious. And I don't define it past that. It's beautiful. It's mysterious. It's benevolent period. How I experience my higher power is through people. How I experience it the most concentrated and intensely is in a 12-step meeting and through my fellowship of recovery. So the other power that you need is the power of the fellowship. And here's the thing that, um, so you need a higher power and you need the power of the fellowship. And when I realized the higher of the power of the fellowship Around this time, for those who remember, is um, Lost had become like the show. And they were on an island. They were stuck on an island together. And around that time, like the lead actor or whatever lead character says, look, it's live together, die alone, which totally resonated with what, you know, Bill and Dr. Bob said, live together, die alone. And that changed the way that I saw all of you. I no longer, so think of the difference between the construct of walking into a classroom with all these people in it and leaving versus being stranded on a desert island with people and the different way that you would relate to that group. And that's the transformation that happened for me. Thank you. Is, is that I suddenly realized that I could not recover even if I had the best higher power in the world without joining my fellowship, which means I'm looking at every single one of your faces who have a picture or who are whatever, and every single one of you I feel a sense of, I care about what is going on with you. And I'm not just saying that as words. 
I'm saying that as someone who has joined the fellowship, I care if you are going to go to another meeting tomorrow. I care if you are struggling with your abstinence. I care. And the reason why I care is because in joining the fellowship, I have learned to love in a way that I have never loved before. I have learned to care and be open and vulnerable. And I've learned boundaries. I have found the place where, because people are in their disease, you know, and people can be inappropriate and people can be emotional vampires while they're not quite figuring these things out. So I have also learned how I can love you and I can love me at the same time and the distance between us where I find that place. Here's the place where I can love me and keep myself safe and love you, not shut you off. So I think the reason why this is just really up for me today is I'm having one of those days where the world is just weighing really heavy on me. And um, world events are just weighing really heavy on me. Every once in a while I have these days where I just can't, I just can't put the blinders on and just, you know, do one minute at a time. Every once in a while, it just really, it just really hits me. And I'm like, I'm so grateful for my fellowship because I can take my perspective out of world events and tragedy and I can bring it down to, I can't honestly do much about any of that. And to be perfectly blunt, I I don't know if I could handle another Trump election, but I can bring my gaze down to my community and to your faces and be like, okay, Nick, here's what you can do. You can be present and open and loving to your fellows. And I'm like, okay, when I do that, I experience the hope that I don't have when I look at those world events. When I look at those world events, I go into an existential crisis. <laughs> you know, when I look at your faces, I'm like, oh, okay, love is present, you know, and love is powerful. So thanks for letting me share. <laughs>